Brother Eddie said our hearts as well go out to the Pooler family. When I, it was Monday when I saw the, the news that uh, they were needing a miracle. I just began to think about all the people that I know of personally that are suffering or going through something. And Brother Eddie, I, I kind of got overwhelmed just about how many people are hurting, how many people are facing cancer, facing this, facing COVID, facing the loss of a loved one. And uh, there's so many needs to be praying about. But I am so thankful that we serve a God that is able to meet everyone. And you know, he may not, like Lazarus, he may not come exactly when we want him. And he may not come exactly how we think that the miracle would come. But I'm thankful that his ways are higher than our ways. His ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ways and his thoughts are perfect. And he never makes a mistake. And I am thankful that uh, I know him and am known of him. Turn with us tonight to the book of Luke, chapter number 3. We're going to read one verse of scripture. Verse number 16. Some of you may not even need to turn there. Very familiar passage. Is it all right to preach a Pentecostal message on a Wednesday night? Hallelujah. I got a couple of amens and all rights. Amen, so... I learned a long time ago, you're never on preaching the Holy Ghost of God. That's right. In Luke chapter number 3, verse 16, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am unworthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I know that there's no way to exhaust nor uh, wear out everything that you can preach about the Holy Ghost. And, and no matter how many times you preach from a passage of Scripture, the Holy Ghost is very much relevant in this hour. And uh, He deserves to be preached in His rightful place. In our church, I want to preach tonight, if the Lord will help us on that phrase, the Holy Ghost and fire. Father, we love you tonight. We are so thankful for the third person of the triune Godhead. This more than an emotion, this more than a feeling, this more than a chill bump. He's more than a tongue. He's more than uh, a spirit, but he is the Holy Spirit of God. And we're asking right now that you would have your way in this house that your power would be made manifest, that you would do an everlasting and an eternal work that only you can do. Father, if we need anything in this hour, we need the Holy Ghost to have his will and his way in our church, in our hearts, and in our lives. While many people are, are, are pushing you aside, we welcome you, Holy Ghost, to have your perfect will and take your perfect liberty. God, in this house and in our lives, Father, this service is not mine. But it is thine, and we ask you to have your will and your way. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. As we look and we study out the Holy Spirit of God, we can look throughout the, the Old Testament as well as the New, and we can see that there are many types and shadows of 
the Holy Ghost in Scripture. We know that oil is a representation of the Spirit of God. We know that water is a representation of the Spirit of God. Wind is a representation. We know that the dove that uh, descended from heaven or the Holy Ghost as it was in the form of a dove and lit upon Christ. We know that that is a representation of the Spirit of God. But one of the more common, and I believe one of uh, the, the uh, greatest representations of the Holy Ghost is fire. And I want to explore that angle tonight as this could be the best representation of how He, the, tri the third person in the triune Godhead, operates in the church and in our lives. In my mind, there are two reasons why fire is the best representation of the Spirit of God. Number one, because God's nature, God Himself, is characterized by fire. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse 24, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. In Hebrews 12, verse 29, the writer records again, For our God is a consuming fire. And so we know that that is a representation of the nature of God Himself. And if God's nature is consumed and is a consuming fire, then our nature should be becoming like Him. Our nature should be like His. How does this happen, you may ask? It happens by a baptism in fire. Luke chapter number 3 tells us that this is the will of God for us, for the church. When he, John the Baptist was speaking of Christ that was to come, he's saying, I am here to baptize you with water unto repentance but there is one coming after me the promised one the one that all of the prophets have pointed towards one that every sacrifice and every offering in that Levitical law pointed toward the one that we have been eagerly awaiting and anticipating he is going to come and when he comes he's going to do more than give a baptism of repentance He's going to do more than wash away sins. But He is going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. That word baptism is a very interesting word. As you study that out in the Greek, and we preached on it many times before, but that word baptize means to submerge. It means more than to sprinkle. It means more than to just rub a little bit of dab of water on the forehead. But it means to submerge, it means to dip. And at best means to lose or to change one's identity. And the word picture here that we find in the Greek is found of, uh, of clothes and garments. In biblical days, they didn't have, they weren't able to go to a designer store and buy a, a red robe, a, a blue robe, a purple robe, and have all of the different types of of colors and choices that we have today. But what they had was white robes. And they would 
purchase that robe and then they would buy the dye for that robe or that garment. And then they would take the garment home and they would take the the, uh, uh, the the dye home and they would mix whatever ingredients it was for them to get the exact uh, color that they wanted. Uh, they would pull out the vat. Uh, they would put the dye in and then they would baptize uh, that white garment into the dye. And so what was happening there was a change that was taking place. Uh, no longer it went in a white robe, but it was going to come out something totally different. It was going to come out a total different color, and the entire identity of that garment was changed by the dye. That is what means to be baptized. It means to be submerged. It means to change. It means to have an identity change. And that's what God is saying. The Word of God is saying that the Holy Ghost is going to come and he is going to baptize you into the Holy Ghost and fire. When he comes, amen, you're going to do more than get emotional. And I believe from time to time the Holy Ghost will make you emotional. Amen. I believe that when the Holy Ghost comes, you're going to do more than speak in tongues. Although if the Holy Ghost falls on you, the initial physical evidence always has been and always will be that you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Amen. I believe when the Holy Ghost comes, you're going to do more than run. Even though for some times we may run a lap or two around the building. But all of that is is a byproduct uh, or a subsequent work uh, of what he's come to do. Uh, his main priority uh, is to change your identity. Uh, amen. For your identity to be baptized into Christ. Uh, amen. For your identity to be changed uh, and for you to become altogether different uh, as he is. Uh, that's what it means to be baptized uh, in the Holy Ghost uh, and with fire. For our identities to die uh, and to be changed so that his identity may be taken on in our hearts and in our lives. This represents God's perfect will for the church just as much as then he desires for his church to be fire baptized, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. You've shown up too late to convince me that the work of the Spirit went out with the apostles. You've shown up too late for me to believe that this was just an act that happened 2,000 years ago, but no longer happens today. You can find it throughout, all throughout the New Testament. You can find this act all throughout church history. I've tasted and I've experienced it for myself, and I've seen that it is good, and I've seen the working of the Spirit of God in others. We had one baptized in the Holy Ghost right here just a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Amen. The work and the baptism of the Spirit. It's not an outdated occurrence. It's not an outdated figment of man's imagination. But just as real as it was on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost is just as real right now. And it is His perfect will Amen. to baptize one and all in this Holy Ghost and fire. If God is a consuming fire, then His Spirit will be a fire in us, consuming and confirming, conforming our lives to Him. 
So we see, number one, that the fire is the best representation of the Spirit because God's nature is characterized by fire. But number two, I believe fire is the best representation because of the characteristics and because of the works that fire produces. There's some things that fire does. And there's, there, there's no way I can go through all of this tonight, so I'm going to try to hit the high points for in just a, a few moments of time. But number one, we can see and we know that fire is a purifying agent. We know that fire has purifying characteristics. We've preached it many times before. How a goldsmith and a silversmith, they will take a, a bar or a nugget of silver and gold and one that looks good to the naked eye. And one that uh, looks great and looks shiny and looks valuable. Uh, but oftentimes they would take that wrong nugget. And the first thing that they do to it is put it in the fire. They put it in that fire uh, not to destroy the nugget, but to perfect the nugget. Not to disregard and to do away with it, uh, but to make it better than it was uh, in its original state. Listen, there's times uh, that God allows His bride, the church, uh, to go through the fire of persecution. Uh, he doesn't do it to disregard us uh, and to burn us up. No, uh, but He allows the fire of persecution to come uh, to make us better uh, than we were before. Uh, for you see, fire has a way uh, of doing a work in hearts and lives uh, that calm seas uh, and calm over never will. Amen. Because you see as that nugget in silver uh, uh, and that nugget of gold uh, it may look shiny uh, but it can be full of imperfections. It can be full uh, uh, of flaws on the inside uh, and you think that you've got something very valuable uh, but when you explore beyond the surface uh, you find out uh, amen it's just a shiny rock uh, there's nothing valuable there uh, I know a lot of people that look the part uh, amen that look good on the outside uh, but on the, on the inside uh, they're just tinkling cymbals uh, and sounding brass uh, amen their experience with Christ uh, is very shallow and only gold skin deep but I can tell you amen there's value in being put to the fire there's value in having an encounter with the Holy Ghost and fire because he burns deeper than skin level he goes deeper than what's on the surface but he goes into the inward parts of man amen he tries the reins and the hearts and when he has his perfect work he will refine us to make us better than we ever were before Fire purifies. That silversmith will take that silver nugget, put it in the fire, and that silver bar will look like it begins to melt and be reduced to nothing. But it's in those states when we feel like we're being reduced down to nothing, church, that we realize God is up to something. It's in those times that that silversmith will take a ladle and all of the imperfections in that silver nugget will begin to rise to the top. And he'll take that ladle and he'll just skim off all of those flaws that was hidden below the surface that one could not see from the 
outside looking in. But when the fires of persecution is there, when the fire of, of the Holy Ghost is there and begins to melt all that at the surface, all of that rises to the top. He skims it off and returns it back to, pulls it from the fire and returns it back to its normal state. And what happens then to it is it, it goes back to its state and it's much more valuable then than it was in the beginning. It's much more valuable after it goes through the process than it was before the process started. I can tell you the church is a whole lot more valuable to themselves, to God and the world after the Holy Ghost fire comes on us than we were before the process started. And then that's why the baptism of the Holy Ghost is so important because it removes everything in our lives that is not Christ. And we're better after the fire falls than we were before the fire came. The working of the Spirit. Malachi 3. But who may abide the day of His coming? And who shall stand when He appeareth? For He is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Speaking of Christ that was to come. Amen. He is going to be a refiner's fire that burns out every imperfection and burns out more than every flaw. Listen, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit of God. I believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. But if that is all you allow the Holy Ghost to do in you, then you're missing the mark. I've come to the realization. I believe that sometimes the Holy Ghost is more concerned about what we say in English than He is what we say in tongues. It don't matter if you can speak in tongues for an hour. If there's jealousy, if there's greed, if there's lasciviousness in their heart, if there's things in your heart and in your life that should not be there, or you can't talk to a brother or a sister because you've got all against them. Listen, he's more concerned with getting that right than he is about shouting in emotions and speaking in other tongues. Listen, there's more to the experience of the baptism in the Holy Ghost than just that. Yes, I believe in every one of those things and they are necessary and they are important, but the ultimate work of the Spirit is to conform our image and nature to Christ that He may present to Christ a bride who had made herself ready without spot or without wrinkle or without blemish. That is the working of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And that's why we must be baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire. The working for the Spirit will purify our hearts. He will purge us from everything that is not Christ. Listen, there's things just this week that He's been dealing with me about. I'm not talking about murder or some grotesque sin. I'm not even talking to you about sin that's mentioned in this book. But I'm talking about things of flesh and carnality that we can easily allow in that separates us from Christ. Listen, even though it may not be mentioned in the Word of God as, as a sin, 
And it's not mentioned by a thou shall not. If it separates you from Christ, the Holy Ghost is just as much concerned with that in the life of a believer as he is the alcohol in the life of the alcoholic. He's just as much concerned with that as he is the heroin in a needle that's going to send somebody to hell. If there's anything in us, amen, flesh, carnality, or self that will separate us from Christ and lead us down a path Amen. Further away from God uh, than we ought, than we were uh, when we started this journey, the Holy Ghost uh, will send conviction uh, to purify our hearts, uh, to refine us, uh, and thank God uh, for the convicted work uh, of the Spirit. Look at the appearances of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. When the Holy Ghost first is found in John chapter number one. When John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. This is when John baptized Christ in the river Jordan. You know that he was there in the Jordan baptized. The Holy Ghost descended upon him as the form of a dove, and there was a voice from heaven, the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Notice the form of the Spirit of God. When he descended upon Christ, he descended upon him in the form of a dove. Doves denote purity. Doves denote virtue. Doves denote a sense of, of one being pure. And so when the Holy Ghost lit upon Christ, Descended from heaven. Christ was pure. And he was bearing record to the purity of Christ. But notice when the Holy Ghost fell upon the apostles and the New Testament church in that book of Acts chapter number 2. In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 3. When the Holy Ghost fell, he did not visibly appear as a dove. You see, Christ had no imperfections. And no flaws. But that church had plenty of imperfections. And plenty of flaws. There were plenty of elements of flesh. That was in that body. Just 53 days before. Many of them denied Christ and walked away and left him to be crucified alone. A few weeks before that, you had James and John jockeying for position about who was greater in the kingdom of God and who was going to sit at the Father's right hand. You had many elements that the Holy Ghost had to deal with. So when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter number 2, he could not come in the form of a dove, but instead he come, amen, as a flame of fire. And when the the wind blew and they spake with other tongues as the Spirit of God came, gave the utterance. The visible symbol of the Holy Ghost was a cloven tongue like as a fire that sat upon each of them. That was God's signet and God's seal. These are not perfect beings. They're full of imperfections and they're full of flaws. But I'm sending my Spirit to rest upon them and what they've not been able to do through the veins of religion, I'm going to do through them by the working of 
of the Spirit of God. And then that is the importance of the Holy Ghost and fire. We have our imperfections. We have our limitations. We have our flaws. But the Holy Ghost has no limitations. He has no imperfections. And He has no flaws. And He's able to do in us and produce through us what we can never do in and through ourselves. That, my friend, is why we must never fail to preach the importance of the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. When the Holy Ghost comes, He will purify this body. Fire is a purifying agent. Secondly, I may not get off this point because there's so much to preach here tonight. There may be a part two later down the road. But the second characteristic of fire that I want to look at is we know that fire tempers. And we'll get into that definition in just a minute, but I stumbled across a verse several weeks ago that has stuck with me, and that's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 24. And it reads, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. And thank God that's the case, because I lacked a whole lot, Brother Nail. And I still lack a whole lot. But thank God I've been tempered into this body. Thank God He's poured out His Spirit upon me. Paul said that God has tempered the body, which if you look up that word tempered in the Greek, it, it means to mix or to mold together. That's what happened leading up to the days, the day of Pentecost, when the 120 was in that upper room. God was mixing together a body. God was mixing together a vessel that he could send his spirit upon. And you may ask, how did God temper this body? How did God mix and bring together a body that absolutely turned the world upside down? He did it by the tempering power of the Holy Ghost. He did it by tempering his body. Now when I hear the word tempered, I immediately think about the tempering process of steel and I wish Brother Homer was here and I could give him the mic and let him preach these points because he knows a lot more about it than I do. And I know very little about steel works. But I do know a little bit about the process. When you temper steel, this is where you place raw steel into uh a structure of heat, whether it be a kiln or, or the, some a massive structure of pot. And that is where that piece of raw steel is then heated up and altered. And what they would do is they would take that raw steel, set it to temperatures, thousands of degrees, burn that steel just like a, a silversmith or a goldsmith would do. And then they will, after when it reaches that hottest state, before it disintegrates, they'll pull it out. And they'll let it cool. Return back to its normal state. And then you will have a product that is called tempered steel. That is a lot more valuable than raw steel. And as I began to study this out, I didn't realize just how brittle raw steel can be. 
when, when steel is produced, the fractures and the fragments in that raw steel can be very brittle. And when it's put under intense pressures and intense weights, raw steel has the tendency to fracture and to break. That's why they temper the steel. And it's then that it's put in that intense heat and the process of tempering takes place that that raw steel will begin to be fused together. And where under the surface there might have been fractures and there might have been uh, cracks below the surface, the tempering process removes uh, all of that uh, and it makes that process and it makes that steel uh, much tempered uh, or much better. After the tempering process, the metabolic structure is more sound. The piece of steel is fused together and less brittle, meaning it can handle more weight. Listen, that is exactly what the, the Spirit of God did in Acts chapter number 2. The working of the Spirit of God made a group of apostles less brittle and more strong. I've already mentioned it 53 days ago. They were denying that they even knew Christ. Left Him to be crucified alone. But 53 days later, the Holy Ghost tempered their hearts, their minds their souls, their spirits and bodies uh, to remove any and all weakness uh, that would prevent them from defending the gospel. Uh, it was a group of cowards 53 days earlier, uh, but 53 days later uh, it was a group of conquerors uh, amen, that stood uh, and preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they were thrown to lines. Uh, they themselves were crucified. Uh, they were stoned. They were beaten. They were poisoned. Uh, they were drawn and quartered. Uh, they were put in boiling pots of water, uh, but they never backed down. They never backed out. They never stood down. Why? Because they had been tempered by the Holy Ghost of God that would enable them to withstand any and all persecution. That's why we need this Holy Ghost and fire. Yes, we're facing persecution, but God hadn't called His church to be a bunch of yellow bellies that would cater and cower down to this cancel culture. But God has called the church to rise up that He can infuse and temper with his power uh, that will stand and preach the gospel uh, unashamedly uh, even if it hair lips all of hell itself. Uh, amen. To stand uh, courageous uh, and defend the gospel uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we can't do it in our own strength. Uh, that's why we need to be baptized uh, in this Holy Ghost uh, and fire. To be tempered means to be Less brittle. The Holy Ghost knows exactly what we can handle and exactly what we can't. There are some times we say, Lord, I wish you didn't trust us so much because this seems like more than I can handle or more than I can bear. But if it was more than you could handle, God wouldn't have put it on your shoulders to start with. God leads us sometimes to places of impossibilities where it feels like we can't take another step on our own. But He leads us to those places where His strength can be perfected in us. And when we can't take another step on our own, He takes another step through us and allows us to keep going and allows us to keep walking. And allows us to keep uh, maturing. Listen, it was Paul that said, uh, in my weakness, 
He is made strong. It better said, in my times of weakness, it is then that I see His strength personified in me. Meaning His strength takes over when my strength fails. Oh, I feel the Lord in the house tonight. His strength takes over and overrides my weakness when I've reached wit's end and I've reached the end of my stroke, my rope, Brother Eddie. He gives me that faith that won't let go. He gives me that strength to hold on another day, another service to not give up and to not give in. Amen. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire because He reinforces and He gives us strength to hold on and strength to endure. I'd be scared to know that I was facing this demon-possessed world on my own. I wouldn't make it a day not because I'm a weakling, not because I don't think that I'm not strong, but I know we are no match to these elements of hell that's going around this world. I'm no match for that. You're no match for that. But the Spirit of God within us. Oh, the Spirit of God within us allows us to stand firm, to not bow down, to not crackle, to not be brittle, to not fold under pressure, but to stand firm, to be tempered by the Spirit of God. Second Samuel, the last words of David. Second Samuel 23, verse 7. He's speaking of his mighty men that would stand and come against the men of Belial that surrounded him. He said, but the man shall be, that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear. You look up that word fenced in the Hebrew, it means to be filled with iron. He's saying that man if he's going to stand and go against the sons of Belial, he's going to have to have steel in his soul. He's going to have to have a backbone of steel. He's going to have to have, uh, amen, steel uh, to, to reinforce him. Uh, amen, that's uh, what the Holy Ghost is uh, that enables us to stand. Uh, I'm not here standing tonight on my own strength, uh, on my own power, on my own ability. Uh, but this baptizer, baptism uh, gives us uh, a sense of strength uh, and gives us a source of power uh, that enables us to stand uh, and to be filled with iron itself. Uh, iron that's stronger uh, than natural man's bones. Uh, iron that is stronger uh, than natural man's weakness uh, while this bone uh, may pop uh, at a certain amount of pressure uh, iron can withstand much more pressure uh, oh hallelujah I'm glad uh, that the church uh, the true church the remnant uh, has been filled with iron yes. tempered by the Holy Ghost secondly you study out this tempering process it says it leads to increased Ductility. Don't feel bad. I didn't know what ductility meant either. <laughs> but that's where steel is placed in that furnace made very hot. And it's then that they're able to mold that steel. And it's able to take on a car frame or a wire fence or, 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 or whatever characteristic you want to. If you were to try to bend raw steel and make it into something, you're going to be 
trying for a long time and that raw steel ain't going to budge. But if you heat it up and get it in that state, then you can begin to craft that piece of steel. Then you can begin to mold that into the structure that you want it to become. Amen. This process can turn a raw piece of metal into whatever you need it to be. The Holy Ghost, amen, tempers us, puts us through this, this baptism of fire as a way of stretching us to become what God needs us to be. You take Peter, a man 53 days before cursed and swore with an oath and said, I don't even know the man. 53 days later, He's standing up and saying, these men are not drunk with wine as you suppose. Seeing it is, but the third hour of the day is nine o'clock. But this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. He preached, amen, the first Holy Ghost filled gospel message. Amen, was spoken by the New Testament church. And 3,000 people were born again in the streets of Jerusalem. Jerusalem that day. What happened? God stretched him. What happened? God molded him. God took a coward and turned him into a courageous lion, preaching the gospel unashamed. Amen. God needs amen, more of that in this hour. More men and more women that's been tempered by the Holy Ghost. How many people do you know and you've heard me say it and you've heard Brother Eddie say it. Why did God call us country boys? Boys that talk with a great South Alabama draw. Shy. Backwards. Why did God pick us? Why did God choose us? Why are we preaching the gospel today? Are there thousands of other people more educated than me? Yes. Better orators than me, you betcha. Better public speakers, absolutely. Amen. Why is it that I'm standing here today? I promise you. Amen. I'm not here on my own strength or my own talents. If I were, I would have never gotten off the pew. But what happened? The Holy Ghost saw a raw piece of steel some 16 years ago. Going on 17 years ago. Born again. God said, I can do something with this one. Amen. And fills my soul with the Holy Ghost and fire and begins to stretch me and begins to mold me. Amen. And begins to deal with my heart, showing me this scripture, showing me that scripture, illuminating the Word of God, putting scriptures in my heart, calling things to my remembrance, dealing with my heart. What was he doing? He was making a preacher. He was making a man of God. Was the stretching uncomfortable? You betcha. Were there times where I was as nervous uh, as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs? Uh, I still am. Uh, if you don't get nervous before you approach uh, a holy pulpit, uh, amen, you need to put the mic down uh, and go do something else uh, when you realize that you're the ambassador uh, speaking on behalf of God Almighty. Uh, yes, it still shakes me to the core. Uh, yes, it still makes my knees tremble. Uh, but Brother Eddie, we've been tempered. Uh, amen. We've been given power uh, to stand uh, and the mandate, woe is me. If I preach not, the gospel couldn't do it on my own strength. Oh, but he tempered me. He molded me. He stretched me. And that's the working of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Why is it that you have some people, God deals with them, puts a call on their life, but they never develop and they never mature and they wind up backsliding and going the way of the world. Brother Daniel, they never let God and they never let the Holy Ghost complete the tempering process. They never let the Holy Ghost fully mold them and make them what he wants me to be. They stop mid-process. They stop. Uh, say, I can't go any forward, uh, further. Uh, this scares me. Uh, I, I'm not so sure about all this. Uh, amen. If I had to wait to be sure about everything, uh, amen, that, uh, that, that I've done, I never would have done it to start with. We've got to allow the Holy Ghost to continue to stretch us and continue to mold us. One of the most difficult, painful seasons of my life for about six to eight weeks, I've told the story many times before. When God called me out of that home church that I was at for 21 years, told me to get out. Go to Bible Way. It's my will for you to be there. Plug into that church. Get in. Love those people. Help Brother Eddie. I've got, I'm going to use him outside. He's going to need somebody here to preach and fill in while he's, while he's gone. At that time, who would have known all the places that God's carried him? And God's used him mightily to, for the furtherance of the gospel. I can look back on it and I can say, thank God. The greatest blessing of my life for the past 13 years. Going on was to sit under that man in his, in his ministry. But I can tell you looking back on it, that first six weeks was one of the most difficult things that I'd ever done. That's all I'd known. For 21 years. But if I'd given up and quit when the going got tough, if I went back home to mama, went back home to that comfort zone, and I would have missed out on the greatest years of my life and the greatest blessings, amen, that I ever could have dreamed or, or ever to imagine since that time. I boast not in myself, but in God. Fourteen countries, the Lord has opened up the door, allowed us to go and preach the gospel. Never would that have happened. Amen. They are in a comfort zone, but God was stretching me. God was molding me. God was tempering me. Amen. I may be preaching to somebody tonight. You're being tempered. The Holy Ghost is molding you. The Holy Ghost is stretching you. He's leading you to do things that's not comfortable. He's leading you to do things that's outside of your comfort zone. Well, just get ready. The longer you walk with Him, the more more of that he's going to lead you to do. Amen. He's going to permanently get you out of that comfort zone because he's making a man of God out of you. He's making a woman of God out of you. He's making a vessel that he can use in this devil-possessed, demon-filled world that can be an ambassador and a messenger for the cause of Christ. Don't despise the temperance, but submit to it and allow him to mold your life to become everything. Everything that he would have you become. Tempering process. Allows you to be stretched. Allows you to be molded. I'm closing with this. Ain't no way I'll preach it all. Kirsten, come help me. I'm done. But the last thing that I want to touch on tonight, this tempering process, is it allows Tempered steel allow, is allowed to be joined and to be fit with other pieces 
greater after the refining than it was in its original state. You'll have to ask Brother Homer why. I don't exactly know that answer. But the tempering process allows it to be joined and to be fitted with pieces in a greater and an easier fashion. Brother Eddie, who would have ever thought 19, 20 years ago when Bible Way was being formed, Bible Way was being birthed, that this church on the side of Highway 98 would have a global outreach and a global vision and touch India, Pakistan, Kenya, Ghana, Tanzania, Sudan, uh, Malawi, all the places there, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Who would have ever thought in those struggling years when you were struggling to keep the lights on and pay the bills that all the while God's molding a vessel and God's molding a body that'll reach and change this world. What happened? God fit us together with other men, with other ministries, with a Reuben Julie in Nairobi, Kenya, with an Emmanuel Acha in Pakistan, with, with different men, different women. Brother Blair in Jamaica, great men of God. God molded us together, joined us together, and put us together so that the work and the cause of God could go greater than just a small plot of land on Highway 98 and Volley that could reach the four corners of this world. The working of the Spirit of God is to join you together with other believers that will allow you to have the maximum impact possible on this world. Folks, it's greater than just us. It's greater than just me and you. It's greater. Our services have been great. But this thing is greater than what goes on inside the four walls. This thing is greater than what goes on in, in, in Magnolia Springs or Foley or Baldwin County or Alabama or the United States. This thing is greater than what even goes on in this world. Folks, God's joining us together with men and women. Amen. For eternal value and eternal significance and eternal importance. We've been tempered, molded, and fit together for a time such as this. Who would have ever thought years ago God would lead Brother Eddie to preach a camp meeting in Michigan and the pastor of that church is now sitting on our pews. Thank God for it. There's some things that only God can do. But if you don't allow this fire to burn and you don't allow the fire to do the work that the Spirit of God desires to do, He's not going to be able to join you together with men and women such as this. Don't resist the tempering. He has tempered Himself a body. He's mixed together a body and He forged that body with the fire, the baptism of His Spirit. Many people are trying to do without the Holy Ghost in this hour. Oh, how foolish can they be? Amen. Thank God for an atmosphere that's conducive for the Holy Ghost to move in. An atmosphere where He speaks and He talks. He 
deals with us and he conforms us to Christ. Amen. We are desperate as a church for a fresh baptism in fire. We're desperate for our lives to be infused with this power for one more push in this late hour and in this late generation. Amen. I wonder if there's anyone in this house tonight that'll be honest with yourself and God and say, it's been a while. I need to rekindle the fire. I need this fire and the working of the Spirit of God on, on a Wednesday night in the middle of a hectic week. I need to have the Holy Ghost breathe upon the embers, breathe upon the flames to rekindle and charge and ignite me to do the work that He's called us to do. Uh, amen. I believe uh, on a Wednesday night, that's what the Holy Ghost has come to do. I don't want to out-preach the altar service tonight. Uh, amen. But I wonder if we could, could gather around this altar for a few minutes uh, and offer ourselves as kindling unto heaven uh, and say, Oh God, would you burn in me afresh and anew. Uh, Lord, I'm desperate uh, for the Holy Ghost and fire. Uh, I need your fire to burn. Uh, I need your fire to burn in my life, uh, in my home, in my family, my job. I need your fire. Oh God, if you're willing to pray that in all honesty and sincerity, he'll meet you here. And you can leave a blaze of the Holy Ghost. Oh my God, my God, my God.